0: Here at Collect This, we love all of our guests equally. Whether you're an auction house owner or a Mickey Mantle expert or a card investor or a sneakerhead, if you come on this here podcast, you are getting treated like gold. That said, that said, today's two guests are getting treated like gold, mixed with platinum, mixed with silver, mixed with strawberry shortcake, mixed with the 52 Mantle Tops. No, it's not Michael Jordan and Scotty Pippen. No, it's not Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo. No, it's not Justin Fields and Dick Butkus. It is bigger than that. It is the dude who hired me and the dude who co-founded our company, thus the gold, platinum, silver, strawberries, and mantle cards. But I am more than happy to throw in the gold, platinum, silver, strawberries, and mantle cards because if these guys weren't these guys you would not get to listen to Collect This. Welcome to Collect This, powered by CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. Here's your host, Alan Goldscher. All right, so I have been doing this show for about three, four months now, and I consider it a very safe space, right? I welcome all my guests here. I want them to have a great time, and I treat them like gold. I'm going to treat you guys a little better because... One of y'alls runs the company. One of y'alls hired me. So I have to be super nice because this is my livelihood at stake. Are we going to be okay, guys?
1: <laughs> Should be set. I'll find. <laughs>
0: all right. Steve, Steve, Eichenbaum, CEO of uh certified collectibles group and uh, Max Beagle, president of CCG max. I'm going to put you to work. You put me to work. I'm putting you to work. We have a cute little promo that we run each episode and uh, I'm tired of hearing my own voice. So I want you, I want you to read the copy. All right. I think you can handle it. I'm a little concerned because you're going to crush it and I'm going to, I'm going to be out of a job. <laughs>
2: I'll give it my best shot. Uh, check out this special deal for you. Awesome. Collect Listeners head over to csgcards.com slash join, select premium and use promo code collect this and you can join CSG at the premium level for just $99. That's $50 off the regular price. Not only that, you'll get a $150 same as cash credit so the price of the membership pays for itself. But wait, there's more. You'll get access to exclusive benefits like discounts on select add-on services, 24-7 online submission tracking and 10% off at the CCG store. Once again, csgcards.com slash join, select premium, and use the code collect this. Get your grade
0: on with CSG. Steve, give this gentleman a race, please.
1: It was a perfect read. I, I, you know, I, I, I played the seniority chip and, uh, and didn't read it, but uh, I think I he think did a great job, and your job might be in peril.
0: I am nervous, man. All right, I better do a really, really, really good interview. Uh, and really good interviews start with really good questions. And I'm going ask a really easy, simple, but, but probably in-depth question to Steve. Uh, what is what is Certified Collectibles Group? What are we?
1: CPG is a group of companies uh, wherein we have superheroes in every single vertical that, 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 that we're in, whether it's coins or cards, comics, paper money, you name it. Um, We've been blessed to have you know first of all we have some of the best experts in the business and then throughout throughout the organization we simply have superheroes people that come to work every single day going above and beyond to make this company what it is and uh you know so many of our employees like many of our customers they're you know they're very similar we're a company of collectors i'm personally not a collector myself but the soul of this company is that of the collector um and we've been really fortunate to have an organization that's been able to scale um, through a a number of different verticals and globally, uh, and to do it in a, in a really professional, uh, way. Um, and look, it's just, you know, from, from where we came from in 1998, when I got here, where we graded, you know, 40,000 coins a month, uh, to where we are today, uh, in 2022 grading 40,000 items a day. Um, Hmm. it just, it shows you, you know, where the business was, where it's gone. And, uh, And and we're fortunate too. We have still a lot of people that were here in the very beginning. Um, We tend to have long-term employees and this has always been um, a great place to work, um, providing a really important service to the collectible industries that we serve.
0: Uh, So before we started uh, this Collect This Endeavor, uh, Max and I had a couple conversations about how we did not want this show to be an infomercial, right? So when we were planning this episode, Part of me is like, oh, this is going to be an infomercial. But the other part of me is like, no, because we talk to other businesses and about other businesses and we get deep into their respective weeds. Uh, and it's only fair that this company gets its, gets its own due. And I'm going to go off on a little uh, tangent here. I've been here for uh, since the summer. So it's coming up in my fourth month as we're recording this. Um, and Steve and I were talking before we started recording about this. The cool thing about working here, right, is that they identify the talent and they let the talent do their thing uh, with minimal micromanage. It's actually no micromanaging for that matter. Like We are trusted to do our jobs, right? And I've never worked for a company where they were able to identify it and put all the puzzle pieces together. Max, is that something that's in your, in your consciousness when you're hiring people, when you're speaking to someone? You're like, oh, Alan seems like a good dude. He's going to fit along with X, Y, and Z.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think Steve and I have always been a really good judge of character. And, you know, integrity is is integral to our business. So, you know, we find people who are experts who we can trust and we let them do their thing, just like what you're saying. Um, we built a really really fantastic team of people who are all very collaborative they love coming to work each day uh, mm-hmm. we love working with them I mean I, you know before we started Steve and I were telling you how deep in the weeds we are so we're not micromanaging but we're working very closely with the people who are actually doing the work we're having conversations with them in the hall over zoom what have you it helps us to keep a pulse on the business and I think it helps all of us sort of move in the same direction and and just know what's going on and I think that's a really it's a great experience
0: because, it
2: kind of feels like a family business, even though now we have 800
0: people here. Mm -hmm. It really does. Uh, Even if I don't know somebody, right? And there are 800 people. And in my little department, we don't work with everybody. We don't need to work with everybody. But literally every person I met has been positive and supportive and inquisitive. And uh, it's a great place to be. So um, I will publicly say thank you guys for bringing me on board. Uh, Steve, let me ask you this. How did you Get to CCG, and how did we, as a company, get to this point? Go, take the mic, go nuts! Dig, let's hear the whole uh, Steve Eichenbaum story.
1: <laughs> in you know about nineteen late '90s, John Albanese uh, uh, was was exiting NGC, and Mark Salzberg was taking it over. And Mark and I had a personal relationship. I actually worked for IMG in New York City, um, running the North American licensing division. And at that time, when John was exiting. Uh, Mark as a coin grader, and I came in to run the business. Um, so that was 1998, and at that time, uh, we were it was only NGC, and as I said, we graded 40,000 coins a month, and that was the business. But we knew um, that the business was scalable. And We also knew just even within the coin business that, that there was a lot of opportunity. Um, back then, Amazon and eBay, all you know, and the tech, the, the, you know, all those tech companies were coming into play. So the business was scaling, and eBay really, you know, put jet fuel on the, uh, you know, on our business at that time. So that was in the late nineties. And then obviously we started scaling the business into other product categories and comics was next. And, you know, our, our, our model is, you know, easy. It's not, it's easy for us to replicate, probably not easy for others to replicate just because we've, you know, we built this big machine. Um, so that was kind of the beginning of my career here And it, you know, and then ultimately, in addition to all the verticals that we built out, we also were the first to start, um, scaling the business internationally, um, Europe and Asia. Um, and I spent, uh, Max and I have both spent a significant amount of time in in Asia, uh, primarily uh, mainland China and and, and Hong Kong uh, at that time. Um, but the business, you know, we always had a view. Um, you know, the leadership team of uh, of CCG always had a view that we can scale all of these businesses, not only domestically but internationally, um, and really provide a great service for collectors and dealers throughout the world. And I think we've done a really good job of that. Obviously, um, over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of big money that's entered the space, so people have um, Become aware of our little cottage industry, which isn't so little anymore. Um, And the business is changing, right? So when you have people like Blackstone, who acquired us, um, come in, there's a different expectation of the way you run your business, um, how you professionalize it, and where you're going to take it. And that's been a really great challenge for us. Look, I've been doing this for a really long time. And I can say that since Blackstone took over, I've, you know, you know, you can definitely teach, you know, a dog new tricks because I've learned a lot just in the last year and a half. And it's been, it's been a really interesting ride. And look, I think all the money that's come into the space, has made us put a better product out there. It's made us definitely invest more heavily in the business. Think more strategically about how this business is going to scale. And I think ultimately, the best, the big beneficiary is the collector, um, because all of this, you know, all of this investment, there's new tools, higher levels of doing things. It's really, it's really a great time to be in the collectible space. And look, I've been in it for a really long time, and this is the most excitement I've ever had uh, in twenty, almost twenty five years at this point.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I would just add that, um, you know, with Blackstone's backing, I mean, they've really allowed us to invest an incredible amount of money back into the business. I mean, they're not pulling money out of the business. You know, in fact, everything is basically getting poured into new technology, new technologies, like we're spending $10 million on an AI platform that's going to aid our human experts to verify and grade collectibles. We're spending probably $13 million to upgrade our entire internal software system. and then we're building out mobile apps and websites and we could tell you more about those those later. but it's been really refreshing because sometimes you hear of these you know private equity firms and you think of them as as vampires, but it's been totally the opposite <laughs> for us. And I really think Steve's right that the beneficiary at the end is the collector because everything that we're trying to do is to just build the best possible authentication and grading service and and we will spend whatever it takes and do whatever it takes to be the best in, in every category we operate in.
0: Yeah, and now that you guys are paying me $37 million, so that's, that's, that's <laughs> adding up pretty, pretty some big money. Steve, um, as a non-collector, right, you came into this business as a business guy. Uh, in the last, uh, what, 20, 20, 25 years you said you've been here? What have you learned? What is, what's your biggest takeaway from the collecting world? Is it the, the excitement, the nostalgia aspect? What's the coolest for, me, for you uh, about that space?
1: the really unique thing about our business are collectors themselves right so like you know and i think we we referenced this earlier you know we have 800 employees i would say 400 plus are passionate collectors you know so not only within the building obviously and then outside of the building with our clients the level of passion the level of focus the fun you know our our, our employees will sit here and work 10 hour days and then sit around afterwards talking about what they graded, (laughs) what they saw go home and look at, you know, look on eBay and heritage and other, uh, other websites. Um, and and just to stay focused on their passion, you know, I think I've never been in another business where people care so deeply and it's, and look, it's a double-edged sword. When we make mistakes, we really hear about it from our clients, you know, because they live and breathe this stuff. Um, and you know, every company makes mistakes. We try not to make too many of them. And obviously we've had a lot of success. So, um, we haven't had too many of them, but, just the passion of our customers, the passion of our employees—you can't replicate that. You don't find that in many other businesses. And I've been in other businesses, and I've never seen it before. So for me, you know, as a as a business legal ops type of uh, executive, uh, that's been you know the most pleasant surprise because everybody is so engaged, and you know, the better we do our jobs, the more engaged they are.
0: Max, I want to talk to you about uh, your collecting journey. But before we do that, can you give us a a little thumbnail sketch of each of the uh, divisions under the CCG umbrella?
2: Yeah, for sure. So CCG started in 1987 with coins. Um, We are now the world's largest coin grading service. And we've essentially used that model and replicated it across all these other collectible categories. So we've got paper money. We've been doing that since 2005. Also the largest grading service comic books since 2000. We've got trading cards, sports cards, stamps, and then we have one catch all
0: vertical called CAG for estate items. Um, now, you obviously are pretty conversant of, of with most of these spaces, right? I know that you are not a sports guy. You're learning. Even in the short time I've been here, I've seen you pick up uh, some of the lingo, some of the athletes, which is really cool to see. But how did you end up here and what is your passion? Well, of all of these verticals, of all of these different asset classes, what's your go-to? So that's a great question. So I I started
2: probably when I was 4 or 5 years old as a coin collector. Whoa. You know, for whatever reason, just something in my my DNA, it said that I had to you know, I had to, to see one of each date, one of each denomination, one of each mid mark. Like I was just very obsessive in that way. So, you know, my parents would come home, they'd leave their pocket change on the counter and I would start organizing it. Then they <laughs> took me to a coin show and you know, it's, it's been crazy ever since. And I, I'm, I'm definitely a collector um, by blood. I mean, it's just, it's, it's something I have to do, you know, I went to a stamp show just to do some market research. And then I started buying covers on eBay. Like I just, I can't help it. Yeah, I found out, you know, my great, great uncle is from Montana. And now I'm buying Montana tokens. Like, I don't even know why I'm doing that. I just, I have to do it. I think it's, it's really, you know, it's like a sickness. Um, so it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's a great place to be because even though coins is my passion, when I'm talking to somebody who loves video games, all of a sudden now I'm getting really excited about video games or really excited about sports. Even though I could not tell you the first thing about anything that's going on in the world of sports, I can understand why people like it. And I think that's made it um, you know, really exciting to be in my role because one of my responsibilities is to launch these new verticals or bring our verticals to different geographies. And mm-hmm. it's cool
0: because I can get really personally invested and excited about everything that we're doing. So when I was a kid, um, and I was not a hardcore coin guy, but my grandmother, I distinctly remember this, bought me like a trifold uh plastic slash cardboard book. And there were little holes to put your pennies in from nineteen oh one to nineteen whatever year I got this thing. And that was my coin collecting. Did you have anything like that? Yeah, that's probably a Whitman folder. I mean, I think most of us who are coin collectors, somebody got us that
2: at some point, and that just it fueled our obsessive, you know, habit of collecting. And um, yeah, I mean, many of us Uh, went from there into the hobby and and, and learned that you can actually make this a living, which I think is super exciting. And I think, you know, until recently, a lot of people didn't realize that it's possible to actually, you know, make this a career. I've chosen that path. And I think now that collectibles are getting more mainstream, there's so many more people who are getting into this and saying, wow, I can actually do this and, and I can, you know, have a fun and fulfilling career rather than just look at this as like something you do, you know, on a Sunday when nobody's looking.
0: So I had a conversation with my wife the other day. And I was fetching about the fact that under my bed, when I was a little shaver in 19... uh, (laughs) I had this box of cards, this box of baseball cards. And in 1970, whatever it was, uh, we did not know that sometime, someday, we would be able to monetize these things, right? I have these, I, a beautiful collection, and every time I see one of those cards that I remember having, selling at a Heritage for $30,000, I'm like, oh, there's my daughter's college fund right there. Uh, so, which begs the question, Max, monetization versus collecting for the love of collecting. Uh, it seems like lately, Uh, especially around what I call the pandemic hockey stick, when people started getting serious about collecting and earning money in it, some of the love of collecting went out of it and was replaced by the desire to make money, right? Two questions on that. One, where is your head at personally on that with your collecting? Like, are you looking at it like, I gotta get X, Y, and Z because I want X, Y, and Z, or am I getting X, Y, and Z because I can get some money for it? And then, more forest than trees, what are you seeing amongst other collectors from where you're sitting what's the venn diagram between investors and collectors
2: so i think every collector has something you know in the back of their head they don't want to overpay for a collectible and i think that's some of the value that our services provide it tells you exactly what it is it makes it easy to look up the value nobody wants to overpay and everybody's thinking i think at some point something's going to happen to me something's going to happen to my collection i don't want it to be a total disaster at that point in time but I find that the 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 most of the people we work with, they're they're collectors because they love it. Like even though value is always a consideration, you know, you want it you want it to be worth something. Ideally, it's going to be worth more than what you paid for it someday. You're mm-hmm. really collecting because you love it, and those are the best customers for us because they stick around. They provide us the most insightful feedback, and and, and I, I think that's really who we work most closely with. Now there is definitely a cohort of people who are just flippers and, and they're looking to make a bunch of money and they could care less about the collectibles, but you know, those people have never really lasted in the hobby. I think the people who last mm. are the people who do it because they love it. And, and I think, you know, there's so many of those people out there that, you know, I can feel really comfortable that even as these flippers flip out of the hobby, there's still going to be plenty of support, you know, going forward for, for everything that we're doing.
0: Steve, as a non-collector, what's your view on that?
1: One of the things that's really changed the business since COVID is that you, again, you have all, you know, these are asset classes. I mean, you know, all you have to do is look at some of the, the new companies that have popped, popped up where you have fractional ownership and this type of thing. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we have, what's accelerating the business is we brought in all of these different types of collector, the investor collector, you know, and they exist and they've gotten much more sophisticated and, you know, we as a company are trying to give people tools where we can educate them. And we have all of the resources for them, pricing and pop reports and registries and, you know, education and content. Um, I think they're important. Look, you know, these businesses are not going to continue to scale if it's just purely, uh, you know, for the love of collecting. I mean, there are people that are very sophisticated. There are companies that give good guidance and these, you know, these items have proven to appreciate in value and you can track them against, you know, stock market indexes and other types mm-hmm. of investments and they've done really well. So when done well, and when people are educated, I believe, you know, our, our hobbies are in need of additional types of, um, collectors that come in and investor collectors are, you know, look, there's different types of investor collectors too. Like, you know, in mainland China, it's, it gets very speculative, you know, they can move from one to the other, but in the States, it seems, especially with cards and, comics and coins and paper money you know people are sticking around they're not just pumping and dumping you know they're sticking around they're getting educated and they're learning about you know what they have and they're trying to do it in a sophisticated way so you know i think i welcome it as long as it's done um in, you know in, in a safe way and an educated way where people understand what they're buying and uh, are getting good advice
0: Steve, sticking with you, uh, the growth companies is kind of a rare entity in in today's economy. Um things are kind of stagnating for a variety of reasons that I am not smart enough to understand exactly. But I do know, I am smart enough to understand that CCG is in growth mode, right? You're bringing on content people, uh, but you're bringing on new graders, you're you're expanding the, um, the stuff that is being graded, the stuff that is being accepted into our grading rooms. Uh, what do you attribute that to? What do you attribute the interest from investors? Uh, are they looking at the hobby and saying, this thing is not only here forever, but it's gonna keep growing forever? Uh, what do you attribute the the growth aspect of ccg to
1: yeah, i mean when you, you from, so from the perspective of an uh, of collectors and investor invest investor collectors you know look people have money in the stock market they have money in real estate they have money in now in collectibles right so people are looking for diversity and we've always found as we run this business when the stock market is good our business is healthy because people have you know disposable income when the stock market is bad Our business is good because people are looking for an alternative investment (laughs) Um, and we stay away from the investment angle of things. It's really not what we do. What we do is authenticate and grade, Um, but that is a reality of the business. So we've always been somewhat recession proof um, because in good times and bad times, people tend to flock to, you know, to collectibles. Um, And then just in terms of growth. Um, look there's just a lot of interest not and, and we've talked about it not only from collectors but investing investor collectors and we have global reach now so we you know we have the tools and the resources to go, worldwide. We have offices in the US. We have an office in mainland China in Shanghai. We have an office in Hong Kong. We have an office in Munich. We have an office in London. We're looking at other areas, whether it's India or the Middle East. Um, We are scaling this business. We are in growth mode. The collectible space has been hot for years. And it's, you know, it's always been very consistent growth. And through COVID, it really, it really accelerated. And so 2021, 2022 have been really, really good years for us. And look, you know, there may be a recession in 2023 i think we'll i still think we'll have healthy growth in 2023 it may not be what it was during covid um but again collectibles just continues to gain ground uh for a variety of reasons and uh we're happy to kind of be right in the heart of this ecosystem uh to be able to take advantage of it
0: max same question to you yeah
1: look there's still so much runway
2: for us as a business and just for collectibles in general i mean i already spoke about how um, new categories are becoming collectible. So I think in 2023, you know, you would be looking for us to launch VHS tape grading, Funko pop grading. So we'll get some growth from those categories. Um, We will be looking at expanding our card grading services to Europe and to to Asia as well. We've already made a lot of progress in in expanding those overseas. We just appointed an official submission center in Canada, I think just a couple of days ago, um, so we got all this growth from, from sort of these new initiatives. And then within our existing verticals, you know, we caught up on our backlog in sports cards and trading cards a long time ago. We're going to catch up on our backlog in comic books. And once we're caught up by layering in new efficiencies that we get from our AI uh, platform, from these additional hires that, that we're making, um, by providing people with just the best possible service, I think that we will see more repeat customers. And that's going to fuel a lot of our growth, too. So. I feel really, really bullish about the company's prospects for 2023. I think Steve's right. You know, it's not going to be that hockey stick growth that we saw, you know, for the last two years. But I think given how diversified we are, both in terms of the collectibles that we serve and the geographies that we serve, there's just still so much opportunity. I mean, collectibles is, you know, I'm not a sports guy, so I don't know which inning we're in, but I feel like we're in the early part of (laughs) our, uh, of our, our, you know, trajectory.
1: Look, I think, I think there's more to it too. You know, obviously, we have a very strong balance sheet due to, you know, the acquisition and the strength of our business. Um, and there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of companies in the collectible space that have come in recently. Um, we're always, you know, on the hunt, uh, from an M and a perspective. Um, we're pretty, uh, judicious, uh, as we pursue some opportunities and, uh, and we're somewhat conservative. And I think there is going to be somewhat of a, um, you know, a reckoning in twenty twenty three because there's a lot of businesses that are that are circling the space, and uh, for those of us that are well capitalized, uh, there's other opportunities for us to grow the business um, just from an M and A perspective. You know, we have organic growth and we'll have inorganic growth. So um, that's just another way to look at it.
2: Yeah, and I think to add to what Steve said, you know, during the pandemic there were so many um, new mobile apps and marketplaces and even new grading services that that tried to you know enter the space, and I think. What we'll see in 2023 is that the strong ones will survive. I think the ones that are extremely well capitalized and have a lot of history that, you know, they'll, they'll do fine and they'll thrive. I think a lot of these ones that don't have a real strong business model, they're, they're not well capitalized. They were just looking to take a piece of of a, of a blossoming market. Um, I think those ones either will get gobbled up or they won't exist. And I could tell you, you know, Mm. as a collector, obviously I'm biased because I'm president of CCG, but as a collector, it, you know, if I were having my collectibles graded, I would want it done by a company that I know is going to be there in five, ten, twenty years when I go to sell my collection. And um, I think you know one thing that's constant is that you know the 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 grading services that have decades of experience will still be present and will be larger and much more influential, I think, you know in the next three to five years.
0: Now, I feel like, Max, you are kind of the perfect, if not the only person, to uh, riff on this because you have been at CCG basically your entire professional life that's bananas. I've had 74 jobs, right? Because I have just a weird, I have a weird skill set uh, and it's eternally evolving. Uh, but you're just in in effect growth mode, right? You started at, I don't want to say the bottom because you were greater at the beginning, but now you're at basically the top. Take me through that. How did you get a job when you were what? Probably 20 some odd years old. And here you are. Talk to me about that climb because that's a crazy
2: climb, man. Yeah, for sure, and I think that's one of the cool things about CCG is that that you get that opportunity. So, you know, while I was in college, uh, again, I loved collectibles, so I was doing part time cataloging work for some major auction houses, and I, I knew probably after my freshman year that I really wanted a full time job in collectibles, and I interviewed with a bunch of different companies, and you know. Uh NGC, our coin grading company, flew me down here for an interview. And when I saw the building, I mean, it was like Fort Knox, I couldn't believe it. Like, the building was so <laughs> impressive, where I was getting scanned through different doors, there were cameras watching me, it was like something out of Mission Impossible. And I thought, you know, compared to all the, the coin shops I had interviewed at otherwise, this felt like next level. And then you know, so I was super excited to come here, and then I just you know once I was here, I, I gravitated to the business side. I started working closely with Steve, and 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 on some of our marketing initiatives. And I think you know I've always been a really really hard worker, and the the company was great in that Steve and others, you know, they listened to like a twenty some odd kid who had some ideas and and was just super passionate about the hobby. And I think today, you know, now that I'm in a, in the position I'm in, try to do the exact same thing. Like doesn't matter who's got the idea. Uh anybody can come to us. I mean, and anybody is. I mean, we have tons of of meetings, we're getting tons of emails, and we're just we're 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 trying to get a feel for the pulse from everybody in the organization. And many of those people are our customers or were our customers before yeah. they joined us, and they've got fantastic ideas. So it's it's a great way, as long as you keep your eyes and ears open, to make constant improvements at the company. So it's super exciting. I mean, that's why I've been here my entire career. I also have a weird skill set, so I, I
0: don't know where I could go. But for whatever reason, my my skill set seems to work here. <laughs> uh, it, one thing that's interesting about this company uh, is the diversity of it. Uh, age, gender, uh, there's no barriers, right? It doesn't matter. Because a lot of companies right now, and speaking as someone who has worked for 74 companies, there is a lot of... Uh, it, there's a lot of bias out there. Like everybody will deny it, and I don't want to diss anybody uh, for the and because for the most part, everybody's really cool. But if you're bringing in someone, uh, oftentimes at a big company, you're going to say, okay, well, let's bring in this this 24 year old kid who we can work to death and pay him, you know, uh, an incremental salary. Whereas here you see the talent, you see the job, you look at the square peg, you look at the square hole, you throw it in there and it doesn't matter who fits into that. I'm not, this is not a recruitment uh, podcast here, but just something I wanted to point out.
2: But isn't that the cool thing about collectibles? Is that like, I mean, it really does bring yes. people together in communities. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, or what you are. If, 100%. You, if you find somebody else who loves Funko Pops, you're like, wow, this is somebody who I can be friends with or work with. And so I think collectibles is just great in terms of bringing people together because you've all got a
0: common interest that it really doesn't matter what your background is. 100%. Uh, Steve, um, let's go uh, change the chronology a little bit here. I get asked on a semi-regular basis, how does Blackstone thing come to pass? Um, Can you kind of take a deep dive into that with however much you are able and comfortable to discussing?
1: we've, we've been approached by a number of different groups over the years to sell. Um, and, and always chose not to, um, obviously our, our main competitor were acquired by a group. Um, so that, you know, and even prior to them being acquired, we had been contemplating, you know, kind of the future of the business, how we're going to compete, um, Mm -hmm. weighing some offers. So we ran a process, um, we hired an investment banker and, uh, That was an interesting period of time because, you know, Max, Mark, myself, Mike Brown, we were on Zoom calls probably four or five days a week um, talking to every private equity group out there uh, doing kind of our, our, our dog and pony show. (laughs) <laughs> and, we went, and we went through the process for a period of time while still running the business. Um, and at that time we had a number of offers and we just decided that none of them were the right fit for us because we hadn't, you know, both from an economic standpoint and also just from a, a, a fit standpoint, because again, you know, Max alluded to this earlier, a, a lot of these private equity groups just, you know, they buy, they slash and burn and they just want to turn the business and sell it again. And you know, we have a deep connection to this business. We have a deep connection to our, our, our employees, and we have a deep connection to our customers and we needed a good steward going forward. And we also knew that we wanted to stay involved. So, um, we Blackstone had expressed some interest to us as well as a couple of other firms. So we opened it back up and very quickly felt that they were the right group for us. You know, their leadership team was exceptional. Their vision for the business, um, uh, the fact that they were going to let us continue to run the business as we saw fit while adding mm-hmm. a lot of value that made a lot of mm-hmm. sense so um the deal i won't say it came together quickly because nothing happens quickly when it's a deal of that scope but um mm-hmm. you know we went through diligence with blackstone and, and you know and again we were there was interest from a few other groups um and we got the deal done um uh, about a year and a half ago and you know again ever since then the blackstone you know the blackstone relationship has been exceptional you know we you know if we're going to go and spend 8 or $9 million on artificial intelligence. They have AI experts within Blackstone that guide us in terms of how we should structure those deals, which firms we should evaluate and go with, um, whether it's our human resource function, our finance function, marketing, you know, our ERP, you name it, Blackstone has a group that adds a lot of value. And they're our partner, you know, they have never come in here and just told us what to do. Um, They respect the way we run the business. I mean, they're, you know, they're Berkshire Hathaway-esque in that way. You know, they try to buy Mm -hmm. great businesses with a moat around them and with good management, you know, and and we are really fortunate. We've always had a pretty thin senior management team, um, but through Blackstone, you know, over the last year and a half, we have filled out the C-suite. Now we have a team of senior executives who are really dedicated and focused and exceptional at their job. And that kind of, you know, that, that permeates the company, you know, and it's, you know, there's no dictatorship here at CCG. (laughs) We make, we make, it's a very democratic environment. I don't make unilateral decisions. Nobody on the senior executive team does. Um, and to your point about why, how, 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 a, a guy like Max can in a very short period of time have this meteoric rise to the top. It's because he was an exceptional talent. And he worked his tail off. Right. And, you know, I think that is true throughout the organization, um, pre and post blackstone, if you are good at your job and you're willing to work really hard, the sky is the limit, right? And we reward excellence here. And if you're not outstanding, you're going to be exposed because your fellow employees around you are going to look around and say, you're not pulling your weight." You know, it doesn't really come from the top. You know, it comes from your peers. Um, so Yeah. I mean, so that's, you know, that's kind of the evolution of the Blackstone thing. I, you know, went off on the side there a little bit, but yeah, so that was our process. You know, I, I, I think when we went into it, we weren't really sure it would all come together. And in reflection, it couldn't have happened any better or with a better group, you know, and I, and that's not just a, you know, blow smoke up Blackstone skirt. It's just, they (laughs) have been an exceptional partner and it's been, the business has been transformed in a short period of time. And so over, you know, over the first year and a half, it's been really interesting to see what's happened. And I really look forward you know, to the next two, three, four, five, ten 10 years of what's going to happen here. It's uh, it, it's it's really exciting.
0: Now, when the press releases came out, there are all these big names uh, associated with Blackstone, all, some uh, celebrities, Andre Cadala, Jay-Z, et etc. et cetera. Uh, Max, when you were lo- locking things down with Blackstone, uh, who are the bigger names that you did have the opportunity to speak with? And uh, what was their general reaction to grading?
2: I spoke to none of those people. Ah! <laughs> Yeah, I, I spoke to people who you won't know who are at Blackstone. That's about it. But um, you know, <laughs> Blackstone, based on their connections, they lined up a really, really uh, interesting set of co-investors. So although we don't communicate with the co-investors, uh, it is nice to know that these people um, saw something in our business. And I think you know, with the growth that we've uh, uh, delivered over the last year and a half, hopefully they're happy. Hopefully they're happy with their investment. And Max hasn't had dinner with Jay Z yet.
0: Not yet. Say, so you're telling me that I'm not going to hang out with Jay-Z <laughs> and Beyonce and Andre Goddard is not going to get me courtside tickets when they're in Chicago. That would Probably be nice. Not. That would be pretty awesome, right? <laughs> Who wants to elaborate about the AI situation? Because that AI in this space is amazing, right? Uh, I know a little bit about it but I am not an A student. I may be like a B student, B minus. School me, Max. What do you got?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, look, AI has been one of the biggest buzzwords in business and then in collectibles for for years now. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. going back three, five years. I mean, everybody, wants AI, everybody says that they have AI. And, you know, we also have AI. And, you know, what we did was work with Blackstone's data science team to really take a thoughtful approach as far as like, what, what can AI do for us? And what can AI not do for us? And I think what's, what's clear is that AI can't replace humans. However, right. it can make their job a lot easier. It could reduce some of the repetitive tasks like data entry that they have to do. It can give them a lot more information bubbled up to the surface. So that it's just easier for them to make very accurate decisions. But ultimately, you know, a human is uh, is the one making those decisions and pulling the trigger. So We partnered with a major consulting firm, and I think I might have mentioned, I mean, we've invested about $10 million into this, and we've now deployed AI to identify coins, trading cards, and sports cards, and we are expanding it so that we will now use it to also automate some of the, the more time consuming aspects of the grading process. Like for example, on a sports card, you can imagine you have to measure it, you have to check the centering, you have to check the edges. AI can help with a lot of that stuff. So that a human has all that information right in front of them and they can make a, a very, very accurate and hopefully faster decision. Um, so yeah, it's been very successful for us, but I think it's probably gonna be another six to 12 months before we fully unlocked all the potential of AI within our business.
1: Yeah, and I think people in the industry also have to understand understand about AI. You know, you hear all of these 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 new grading service pop up, and they say they they're AI powered. But it, but at the end, of, so for us, it was it, it was it was twofold, right? We knew we needed to be on the AI uh, bandwagon because it can certainly add value to the business. But also, look, AI it could be disruptive. You know, so if if anybody were going to do it and do it well, it was going to be us. Um, mm-hmm. So we knew we had to invest in it, and we knew we had to be on the cutting edge. And again, you know, if you don't, you know, we have the throughput, you know, we have 40,000 items a day that come through our system versus some of these companies that just open up and say, yeah, we're an AI grading firm. They do, you know, a hundred units a day, you know, it's a, it's a completely different animal.
2: Yeah. The other thing too, is that, I mean, there's a huge difference between some of the AI that's out there where people basically use like, you know, image recognition or optical character recognition where they can just like read the card and, you know, what I've learned about sports cards with all the parallels out there, you can't just read what's on the card to identify. Like you actually have Mm -hmm. to have some expertise. And so I think a lot of the AI, it's like, it's like dumb AI that's out there. I mean, you know, I think... (laughs) what what's nice about what what blackstone has helped us to do with their team and with the consultants that they brought in is that this is actually continuously learning like it's as we feed more data into it we feed more images into it we've got a huge data set already so it, it definitely gives us an advantage like it's actually getting better over time and the accuracy now i mean like on the coin side for example our ai is now as accurate as somebody who had been doing it for over ten years, I mean, it's it's crazy mm-hmm. how accurate it's become. But it's been a huge investment, and I think you know, there's really only a couple companies that can do it, you know, at that kind of scale because everybody else just doesn't have the the data from thirty five years of of grading.
0: So I've spoken to graders, uh, both within CCG and outside of CCG, and you might think that they would be resistant towards say, oh no, I'm going to be replaced, no way, no way. It turns out, actually that most graders that are good at their jobs, that are confident with what they do, embrace it, right? They don't look at it as a replacement. They look at it as an aid uh, to improve what they're doing with whatever, at whatever company they're at. And I think that's really, really exciting stuff. Um, all right, before I let you guys go, first of all, h- how fun does this company sound like that you wanna work with? All right, So go to um, collectiblesgroup.com, go to, the, go to the careers page and check out what's out there. We're, there's always stuff. It might not be in your wheelhouse, but you can fill out a general application. And if something does pop up and it's a good fit, our lovely and talented HR department will 100% get back in touch with you. Um, and again, before before we do go to the bold prediction section of our program here, I would like to thank you guys again publicly for bringing me on board. I'm having a great time. Uh, I'm hoping that you guys are enjoying these uh, little 45-minute yak fests uh, that I dump out here each week. Uh, and uh, so thank you for that. Steve. Give me a bold prediction for what's going to happen in this little business of ours in 2023 because we are uh, we're recording this in November drops in December so we are just a hair's breadth away from uh, that year. What do we
1: got? We're going to continue to see um, businesses like ours, particularly a business like ours um, that has the resources to roll out new tools. Um, technology is going to be a game changer as we go forward. I mean, I think that you know, geographic expansion for us uh, and uh, technological innovation is really going to be the game changer as we're able to deliver more tools and resources and ease of use for the customer um, going forward and you know beyond 2023 you know things like artificial intelligence are really going to change the way collectors collect and grading services uh, uh, provide services so for me you know as I look down the road both short term and long term it's all about technology you know we you know the, the nuts and bolts of our business haven't really changed much you know we need great experts uh, we need great service and we need to be efficient you know, the tenants of our business have been accurate and consistent grading, you know, great customer service and turnaround time. And obviously through the pandemic, we got absolutely slammed. And for the first time in our history, we had, you know, pretty significant backlogs, which we've mm-hmm. spent significantly to eliminate. And we've done so. Um, but technology is the game changer. We will continue to be on the cutting edge of that. We will be investing as much, if not more than anyone in the business. Um, and, yeah, it'll be, you know, we're really excited as to where the business is going.
0: Max, before I get your bold prediction, uh, what do you see happening in CSG in the coming year?
2: You know, CSG um, has been a, a real standout, I would say. I mean, it's the fastest growing vertical that we've ever launched. I mean, it, got to a million cards <laughs> graded. In about a year, I mean that's crazy—like a million cards graded in one year. We started with with Andy Broom and Weston Reeves, who are super talented. We started with two graders, and a year later, our grading team is is more than twenty people. Um, and we graded you know a million cards. We're grading thousands of cards a day. So I think with CSG, you know, look with with people like yourself, people like Suze, who we brought onto the team, you know, some of our existing talent. I think there's going to be a lot more growth that we're gonna be seeing both in the United States and with some of our plans for international expansion. I think there's there's still a lot of work for us to do. And with um, the best content, the best customer experience, the best technology, sort of echoing what Steve's saying, I think there's still so much runway for growth within CSG. And this the same goes for all verticals. I mean, we try to replicate what works across everything. And so whatever we see is working, um, we're just gonna do everywhere. And I think one thing that we've demonstrated is that we know how to build best in class grading services. I mean, we've got the largest grading services for coins, comics, uh, stamps, paper money. We've got the fastest growing grading services for trading cards and sports cards. And I think, um, you know, collectors should expect more and more improvements from us you know, in the coming months and years.
1: And, brother. I think that's something that people don't fully understand is when you look at the volume of of sport and non-sport submissions that we have, and the number of of, of items that we're putting out there, we're clearly number two. You know, we, we're 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 playing catch up, but we are in the number two position from a volume standpoint. We will continue uh, to get out, get after it, and grow those businesses.
0: We're number two. We try harder. All right, Max, take us home with your bold prediction.
1: I
2: don't know how bold this is, but you know, I believe that nostalgia is going to continue to drive the collectibles business and i think that means that more and more people are going to get into collectibles something that reminds them of their childhood something that gives them the warm and fuzzies like that is something that they're (laughs) going to want to buy when they're older maybe it's something that they they couldn't afford as a kid or or something that they had and then you know it, it got sold off when they went to college people are going to be be investing more and more into collectibles, uh, you know, and, and building that physical connection with their, their childhood or, or something that they embraced. And I think that that's going to drive just global growth for collectibles. And I think our role here is to be the expert arbiters of what's real and, and, and what the condition of it is for any of those collectible categories.
0: Max Spiegel, my boss's boss. Steve Eichenbaum, my boss's boss's boss. Thank you guys for taking the time. I know your schedules are pretty cramped, pretty crazy, and I really appreciate you sitting down with us and schooling me out of the company and, and hopefully getting people uh, who are listening to this little show of ours all hyped.
2: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much, Alan.
0: Whether it's a 1986 Michael Jordan Fleer rookie card, a Tom Brady Playoff Contenders rookie card from 2000, or, I don't know, a Marv Throneberry card that came out of a post cereal box in 1963, and yes, that's a thing, Certified Sports Guarantee will grade your sports cards quickly and accurately. A subsidiary of Certified Collectibles Group, CSG graded over 1 million cards in its first year-plus on the sports collecting scene, the fastest any grading company has hit that mark. Speedy turnaround times provided by the knowledgeable, passionate team of expert sports card graders will make your CSG experience smooth, efficient, and most importantly, fair. Regardless of the athlete, the sport, or the condition of your card, CSG will treat it with the love and respect it deserves. For more information about CSG, visit csgcards.com. That's CSG, your go-to sports card grading company.
2: We hope you enjoyed Collect This, powered by CSG.
0: Collect This was hosted, written, produced, engineered, and scored by Alan Goldscher. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at collectthis
1: at csgcards.com.